0: The autumn, Wisconsin. Yeah, it feels like fall out there, and I'm digging it. I love fall, love sweater weather. Jerry Bader in for Jeff Wagner once again. Not the biggest story of the day, but the most... What? Excuse me? Story of the day. If one former MLB official is to be believed, the Brewers won't only be fighting the Dodgers in the NLCS. In an interview with a Miami radio station, Miami Marlins former president, David Sampson. Implied the fix is in. MLB's going to do anything they can to have the Dodgers beat the Brewers, Samson said. Well, okay, <laughs> that's a heck of a thing for a grown man to say out on the radio. And I should know. Trust me, I, I do know. Anyway, that's a heck of a thing for a grown man to say on the radio. Um, they can only imply one thing, right? Uh, the umpires, or he's just, I don't know what he was doing. I guess I have my theories on why he's saying the Dodgers would be more desirous for MLB. Uh, major market versus major market. I, I, what's he saying? I honestly don't know what he's saying. By the way, I also didn't know that a Dodgers player predicted they would sweep the Brewers in four. Well, of course it's four. if They sweep them. That they would sweep them. Uh, it's just a lot of interesting stuff going on. I feel very confident uh, more about the Brewers later in the show, including an exciting announcement. If you have not yet heard it, uh, we'll get to all of that. Speaking of suspecting things are rigged, let's turn our attention again to the MU Law School poll of yesterday and take a deeper dive and a different look. Joining us now to do that, uh, Republican strategist Mark Rall. Good to talk to you again, Mark. Hi, Jerry. So, what could MLB do? How, do? how do you how do you rig an NLCS?
1: Well, we'll see what the umpires call. I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, I'm one of these conspiracy theorists that believe that the NBA used to do this with Michael Jordan all the time. So, uh, ah, it, you're uh, one of calls are called. So we'll see. You know, those those balls and strikes are not reviewable.
0: Well, you know, see, then you know what he's done. Then every bad call against the Brewers is going to have conspiracy attached to it. Absolutely. That. that <laughs> Of course, it would have anyway well, just, with guys we're, like we're
1: you. Called, the birds are just going to go out and win, so we don't have to worry about it. So we don't, there, we don't need to make our own luck, or we won't have to worry about bad luck. We'll just make our own good luck.
0: There you go. All right, let's uh, take a look at the MU Law School poll. And I want to start here because I find this fascinating. Uh, you know, you in your business, obviously, survey research is very important. In the, my years in radio, it happened to be very, very important for different reasons. But people are skeptical of it more than ever. It's interesting, Mark. So yesterday, I went through the numbers, and a lot of conservative listeners texted the show, can't believe you fall for those polls, can't believe you fall for those polls. And then Scott Ross of the very liberal One Wisconsin Now was carping on Twitter to the same, basically the same thing, except complaining about Charles Franklin rigging it so Walker would be up a point. So you've got both sides finding something to hate about this. Uh, look, I know survey research is imperfect, but what about the conspiracy theories people attach to it that the main, you know, the, the media rigs the polls and so look, they're imperfect, but just the general veracity.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a poll skeptic, and I think the reason why there's more and more people who are poll skeptics is because of how wrong they have been. Certainly, they were incredibly wrong in 2016. Um, and, and I think when you look at some of these surveys, <clears throat> they seem to um, fluctuate uh, based on generating interest in them. So, I mean, had this survey come out with Tony Evers with a big lead, I don't think it would have been as interesting had it shown, you know, it, it basically snapping back to a tie. So I'm not, I'm not uh, impugning the integrity of anybody, but I think whenever anyone looks at a survey, particularly the horse race part of the survey, you've got to look at the sample and where, where, what the sample tells you about the people who are voting. So I, I certainly believe in an environment where there are more Republicans than Democrats voting. I think Scott Walker is going to win. Um, in an environment where there are more Democrats voting than, than Republicans, as was the sample size with the previous uh, poll, Marquette poll, then Tony Evers is going to win. So I just don't think – I think what pollsters struggle with, to be fair to them, is, is how they figure out who exactly is going to vote. They got that wrong in 2016, and, and I think they're struggling to figure out who, who they think is going to go vote in 2018.
0: All right, you in the beginning of that answer, Mark, you had something that sounded almost Trumpy. I'm like, I'm not saying that; other people are saying that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it too. I'm just trying to be nice.
0: <laughs> okay, well, but are you suggesting they actually manipulated to to create drama?
1: Um, I certainly think that's not out of the realm of possibility. I think that wow, know, when pollsters determine, I mean, the pollster determines what the sample looks like. I mean, they weight these things. It's a, it's a, it's it's. It's art. It's not necessarily science. So they weight them in a certain way that comes out with a certain result. So this survey was weighted in in advantage of, of Republicans. Not a big advantage, but a slight advantage in terms of, of Republican respondents. So those are decisions that pollsters make. And again, it's because they have to figure out who they think is going to vote, what that electorate is going to look like, and it's not an easy task. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like this a simple task, but certainly. The way you weight a survey is going to dictate the outcome.
0: Talking with Republican strategist Mark Rohl, let me ask you this, I'm, and I think this is related to to what everything you just said. Is it possible, really, for in reality, for the two things that exist that exist in that poll, that Walker's up a point and Leah Vukmir is down ten, at virtually no change from last month. I mean, if those things actually happened on election day, that would be a stunning amount of, of ticket splitting, would it not?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't see ten percent of the electorate voting for um, uh, Tammy Baldwin and Scott Walker. I just that doesn't that just doesn't uh, jive with what we've seen in recent years in in republic in voting in, in this state. So I mean, we've become a much more polarized state than we used to be. The days of voting for. Kirk Cole and Tommy Thompson on the same ballot are, are long gone, so I just don't see how that happens. I mean, I think if if you saw three percent of the electorate voting for Tammy Baldwin and Scott Walker, that'd probably be a lot.
0: So, what part of that are you most skeptical of? It sounds like you're more. It seems like you think Walker does have that slight lead. So, is it the Baldwin part of the numbers you are more spe- uh, skeptical of?
1: Yeah, I you know I I do I think the, the certainly I think the governor's race is a close race. I, I think. Uh, you know, looking at the preponderance of surveys, not just this one, but all surveys, I, I think it's fair to say that it's that is a close race. I do think, and I think when you you dig, the more interesting part of the surveys are the ones that you got to spend a little bit more time looking at instead of digging into these crosstabs, and again, we're getting pretty wonky here, um, and, and Dr. Franklin does do a bit of that, but if you actually look at the entire survey and dig into some of those crosstabs, I think one of the more interesting things you saw in that race is that Vukmir um is 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 not getting all the Republican support that in our polarized world she probably should. I think it was like twelve percent of Republicans were were voting for Baldwin. Um and from an independent perspective The governor is down six points with independence, which I think, I I mean, I think that's a positive sign for the governor and the trajectory of the race. But Vukmir is down 15 with independence. So uh, again, those are, those are votes that, that, that Lee Vukmir can sway. So I don't think, I don't, I do think the races are different. I think that Vukmir's resource disadvantage is, is, is is massive and having an impact on how independents and even it looks like some Republicans are viewing that race.
0: Talking with political strategist Mark Grohl, so as you look at, at some of the other questions i were asked about Kavanaugh and, and all of those things, do you see what's going on nationally? Do you get a sense that it's impacting the races here in the state? Obviously, you know, the Senate would be impacted by that, but even just beyond that.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the again getting a little bit deeper into that Kavanaugh question, as you can expect, most Republicans were for uh, confirmation and most Democrats were against. But in this survey, at least the independents that were spoken to, those who who said they weren't a member of either party, it was it was fifty three to thirty one who supported. Kavanaugh's um, confirmation, and I thought that was a really interesting, one of the more interesting statistics yeah. in the survey, that independent voters were siding with Kavanaugh in a pretty dramatic fashion. So I think that's a that's a good sign for Republicans, since the Kavanaugh thing is kind of the thing right now. Now, that may not be the thing three weeks from now, but it certainly is the thing right now.
0: Running a little long on this segment, so we'll wrap it up with a final question here, about 30 seconds, Mark. So for whatever stock you do put in this, what what advice, if any, would you have, Walker and Baldwin?
1: Well, I mean, I think from the governor's perspective, right track is plus 14 in the survey and just – Do all you can to and and the economy. People think the economy has gotten better by an overwhelming majority. Even Democrats think the economy has gotten better. So really remind people it was because of the governor's reforms, the governor's efforts, that that the economy is doing so well. And I think always remember it's the economy, stupid. So hopefully that's something that that the, the governor and his voters will remember. And Leah? Uh, Leah just needs to to get more resources so she can get her message out there better. I think there's when you have a you know ten, eleven, twelve to one resource disadvantage, it's it's really hard to overcome that.
0: Republican strategist Mark Rall, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks, Jerry. All right, straight ahead in a couple of minutes. Uh, is it going to be another one of those days when we hit three o'clock on Wall Street? We'll discuss. Straight ahead. Twelve twenty News Radio WTMJ. Twelve twenty two News Radio WTMJ. Jerry Bader and for Jeff. Just going to spend a minute or two quite literally on this and maybe more later in the show. Uh the Dow Jones Industrial Average has absolutely no idea what it wants to do today. Uh it is currently down ninety-seven. When you look at, a, at the graph I have in front of me, it is l- literally a roller coaster or maybe a profile of a mountain range, one of the two, just all over. After It's been up, it's been down, it's been up, it's been down. It is currently down 97.85 after just a dive yesterday of 830 points, and there's a lot of controversy about what's causing it. Well, I, here, this is real. The interest rate rise is, in fact, it's a factor. It is. That's that's really in, indisputable. There are other factors, of course. Well, one that no one really seems to be mentioning is that which goes up at some point really does have to go down. I mean, that's, that, that's as real in finance markets as it is anywhere else. But that's real. The, the, certainly, the interest rates are impacting it. President Trump is exacerbating that point with, uh, you know, calling it local what the Fed has been doing. The Fed's trying to thread a needle there. The economy is, the economy is just booming. I mean, I, there, there's no disputing that. If, if President Trump wasn't President Trump, he'd have a 60% approval rating right now, at least. It's just, it's, you know, if it is really about the economy, stupid still, as Mark Grawl said a few moments ago in an interview. Whew, then you can really see the self-inflicted damage that the president has done. But so, what the Fed does is try to thread a needle to raise rates, to keep the economy from overheating, to keep it just churning along. It's it's dicey. It's tough. A lot of people think it's also premature because inflation hasn't reared its head. The overheating is inflation and rising wages and all. Just haven't quite seen that to that degree. So, you know, I think is the president being overly harsh on the Fed? Yes. Do I think maybe the action? Could you make the case it's premature? void you know, absent that inflation, maybe. But rates have been depressed for so long. There's a sense that you also need to catch up, and a lot of people felt they've needed catch up for a long time. People who follow these things far more closely than I do. And all of that, all of those dynamics may in fact be why it's just all over the board today, Uh, down 130 now. It was in the mid-90s when I checked a couple of moments ago. I'm not going to do that all day, but we'll readdress it later in the show. I want to bring up something else. Should have what happened, happened. What happened? I'll tell you in a couple of minutes. 12.25 News Radio WTMJ. Now well, there is indeed a trade deadline in the NFL, and it's coming up the end of the month. Will the Packers be active in an effort to put some energy into their season? Join the conversation with Greg Masick and Jeff Falconeo tonight at 7.15 on Packers Playbook. 12.28 Jerry Bader. Okay, so yesterday Nancy Douglas, head of a Lake Geneva radio station was chair-elect for the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association. That was yesterday. Then, Monday, actually, this ad with her was released.
2: I know what it's like to raise two kids as a single mom, and so does my daughter. She serves our country in the National Guard. But getting her daughter's father to pay child support is a struggle. Randy Bryce did the same thing to his own family, refusing to pay child support. Putting the mother of his child in that position, it's inexcusable. Randy Bryce is a deadbeat. He's not fit to serve in Congress.
0: Now, that uh, is, of course, in the 1st Congressional District. That was released on Monday. Yesterday, the, you know what, hit the fan. Scott Ross won Wisconsin Now, pitched a fit. Hey, this isn't right. She represents Wisconsin broadcasters. That includes broadcast journalists. The WBA, of which WTMJ is a member. I'm very familiar with the organization, having been in radio in Wisconsin since 1984. They defended her. Now, listen, hey, she can do what she does. She did not use the wba moniker that's all good by yesterday she resigned should she have done that the crew is hunting for its first world series title and the latest brewers interviews are right at your fingertips text the word pitch to 4147991620 For Hear Our First Pitch Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, uh, to subscribe, (laughs) subscribe, Jerry. Subscribe for the latest Brewer's interviews on your mobile device. 1234. Jerry in for Jeff. And here's the story. She called Randy Bryce a deadbeat dad in the latest attack ad targeting the Democratic congressional candidate, uh, writes Mary Spicouza at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Now, Nancy Douglas, the head of a Lake Geneva radio station and chair-elect for the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association, has resigned from the trade association's board amid criticism for appearing in the ad. The WBA announced Douglas's resignation on Wednesday, the same day the Journal Sentinel reported on her role in the ad, which was released Monday by the Congressional Leadership Fund. Uh, The super PAC endorsed by Speaker Paul Ryan and top House Republicans. And we get the obligatory the WBA board. Thanks, Nancy, for her many years of service on the board. The WBA initially supported her. Then by day's end, yesterday, she was resigning. Now, in case you're just joining us, we're going to play the ad again, then I'm going to comment and we can take some calls. Kyle, go ahead and fire it again.
2: I know what it's like to raise two kids as a single mom, and so does my daughter. She serves our country in the National Guard, but getting her daughter's father to pay child support is a struggle. Randy Bryce did the same thing to his own family, refusing to pay child support. Putting the mother of his child in that position, it's inexcusable. Randy Bryce is a deadbeat. He's not fit to serve in Congress.
0: Uh, So there you heard it. The liberal group One Wisconsin Now slammed Douglas, saying her participation in the ad damaged the credibility of the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association, a trade group that supports, promotes, and represents all radio and television broadcasters in Wisconsin. And this is what Scott Ross said. The hardworking reporters across Wisconsin doing phenomenal work deserve better. Okay, it's not a news trade association let me say that now clearly the wisconsin broadcasters association does serve those in the broadcast journalism community there's no doubt about that but i wouldn't say that's their it's certainly not their primary mission it's not their singular mission nor is it their primary mission uh let's see Uh, Ms. Douglas is welcome to be as big of a right-wing partisan Republican as she can be, and she can cut as many attack ads for Paul Ryan Super PAC as she wants. But she can't also be a trusted representative of the trade group for the industry people rely on for unbiased information. Uh, Why not? Why not if she is not wearing the moniker of the WBA, which... She wasn't. For example, I have called out a Madison TV news reporter for basically opinionating on his Twitter feed, which does carry his station's call letters. By all appearances, it is his work Twitter feed. And he made politically charged tweets. And my argument is when a journalist tweets, it's journalism if it is on an issue. Well, he responded by blocking me from his Twitter feed. I do manage to. I haven't looked in a long time. But I do manage to see his tweets when I want to see them. That line gets crossed all the time. Now, no, you don't see broadcast journalists in ads. But you see very pointed political comments where, in fact, they do not divorce themselves from their employer. The WBA... Is a trade group group for broadcasters. It's not a news trade association. But again, I'm certainly conceding that you do have people in the news industry that uh, it, you know that's, that they get services from WBA. Mostly, I'll tell you what it is: is the annual awards. Ah, that's when it comes to on-air people. That's mostly what they know about the WBA is the awards. So I put this out to you. What do you think? Should she have resigned? Now, by the way, the WBA stood by her. So there's no indication here, at least not initially, that they forced her out. They stood by her, and then just like that, she's resigning. They they actually uh, initially defended her. In the case of this video, Nancy Douglas is not representing the WBA nor any positions taken by the WBA, the group said in the statement. Listen carefully. We cannot prevent our members from speaking on issues that are important to them outside of their roles within the WBA. Our members are free to express their views. While the WBA doesn't get involved in partisan politics, we don't stop our members from doing so. But on Wednesday, the WBA said Douglas had sent an email resigning from the board. So internally, not sure what happened there. Throw it out to you on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. Should she have had to resign? Again, now there's no indication this is a forced resign based on, on what she did earlier. Perhaps she felt she just wanted to relieve the WBA of that. What's your thoughts on this? 414-799-1620. We'll see what you have to say in a couple of minutes. 1241 News Radio WTMJ. He's the man who ran Major League Baseball. Before that, he was the man who brought the Brewers to Milwaukee. Gene Miller checks in. With Commissioner Emeritus Bud Seelig before the start of the NLCS. That's at 6.51 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. The Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620. The chair-elect of the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association is out after uh, an ad began airing in which it's an attack ad. She's the star of it, if you will, uh, by against uh, 1st Congressional District Democratic candidate Randy Bryce. She said, It has zero to do with the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association or any of my efforts on behalf of any of the members of the organization. The decision was based on my personal experience of my life. I have never compromised my objectivity. That was before she resigned. Again, no one is saying that she was forced to resign. The WBA defended her, said, Look, she can say whatever she wants. Uh, Let's see what you think about this. And let's start with Bill and Racine, who I think has a really important point. Bill, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi. Uh, Thank you. Um, I I would not have known. I asked asked your man, was her name at all her sign, who she was at all on the ad itself? And he said, absolutely not. Well, I wouldn't have known her from Adam. It does not make any difference. I, would, I don't know her now. I don't know who she looks like. I don't know her status. But uh, she expressed an opinion that's a legitimate opinion. And now she's being crucified by the left. But yeah, you get CNN, you get MSN, you get all these that are actually supposed to be legitimate news sources that we countlessly find false news coming from. So these people are never vilified, these people, and, they, and they'll come out and do interviews, and, it'll, and, and they never get fired. So I don't understand why the Republicans went out from backing her. You know, this, this has got to stop.
0: You know? Well, see, a couple of points on that. I don't know what happened here, and I, and that is that is what is frustrating, Bill, is because the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association, their initial reaction was, hey, Nancy can go on television and say whatever she wants. Then by yesterday afternoon, she resigned, and I'm not sure what happened. But to your first point, and I think it's really important, Bill, you know what? I've been in radio for 30-some years. I wouldn't have known that she was the chair-elect. Of the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association, had I seen that ad, there was no right. connection. Look, you know, if she goes on TV and says, "This is Nancy Douglas, chair of the Wisconsin Broadcast," well, okay, right. I get it. But she didn't do that, and I think your point is exactly right. And here is the other thing, Bill. Uh, you know this this is chilling because as long as she doesn't identify with the trade association, I, I think she's got the right to say these things. And yes, and I know that people who wouldn't believe that. If she had gone on for Randy Bryce, I would feel the same way. It's not related to her job.
3: And I wouldn't know who she is, and it wouldn't make any difference. You know, and everyone has their own opinion either way. But it's, it's, it's a pity is really what it is that the Republicans wimp out whenever everybody goes after them. And if somebody gets fired or somebody quits, or you know, why is it always... The Republicans have a uh, step down, uh, get uh, fired, quit, but never CNN, you know, never MSNBC, and you're talking about people that are well known on TV, and then also and they, and they knowingly also they put out a story, and the story's false. You never hear another word about it, you know. Now you hear that now why why are the Republicans just the ones getting attacked and then just stacking off? That's, I say I hate that one. That it just seems so. We always back off of all the big issues. I, Bill, you thanks know? a
0: lot for the call. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and that's and here's what I think. I mean, he made a ton of good points, but here's what I think is his most important point. Nobody would have known that she had anything to do with the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association. So, you know, to Scott Ross and the other liberals who were miffed about this. Okay, now she's gone. All right, if she hadn't done the ad, she would have been there and you wouldn't have known it. And you and you know, we'll never know now. And again, I I think the other thing is it just misrepresents what the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association does. It's it's not a news trade. Organization. There are those. There's the Radio Television News Directors Association. If someone who headed the RTNDA, okay. That is a different matter. I just don't think it was necessary, and it is a little frustrating not to know what happened. If you have any thoughts on this, you can let us know at the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line. If you want to weigh in, 414. 1250 News Radio WTMJ 1253 Jerry Bader in for Jeff Wagner so there's a really interesting text here but to really put it in context Kyle let's do this one more time play the ad in question here if you would uh, one more time
2: I know what it's like to raise two kids as a single mom and so does my daughter She serves our country in the National Guard, but getting her daughter's father to pay child support is a struggle. Randy Bryce did the same thing to his own family, refusing to pay child support. Putting the mother of his child in that position, it's inexcusable. Randy Bryce is a deadbeat. He's not fit to serve in Congress.
0: Now, that's Nancy Douglas, who until yesterday was chair-elect of the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association. Until... The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reported that she held that position, which is not in no way mentioned in the ad, nor is she identified. So she mentions the personal experience, her own and her daughter's. And then we get this text. So, her and her daughter marry deadbeats. Make better choices. Okay, I want you to think about that for a moment. And I don't know if that's a male or a female who texted that. So her and her daughter made... Bad choices with a deadbeat dad. So then what you're saying is Randy Brace would be a bad choice for voters in the 1st Congressional District in Wisconsin, right? Because it's not that they're, you know, hey, it's on whoever chooses deadbeat dads. They're the ones, right? They're the ones that you criticize. I'm just, as you said, here's your text. So her and her daughter... Marry deadbeat dads. Make better choices than deadbeat dads. You said it. So what's the choice? Brian Style or a deadbeat dad. Make better choices. Don't choose a deadbeat dad. It's your point, not mine. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. That it's interesting how people do that without noticing what they're doing. We had one the other day when we were talking about the partial birth abortion issue and we were talking about the baby feeling the pain and and all of that and this person who i believe is a woman based on the things she said text how do you know what a baby feels not occurring to her that she referred to the unborn child as a baby i just it's it's interesting how people fire these things off and then don't think about it. I just, I, I find that most interesting. Uh, wh- a couple of other uh, thoughts on this. George Gillis, executive director of the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, called her involvement in the ad, disappointing. Wisconsin is tired of Paul Ryan's burn-it-down brand of politics, which isn't Paul Ryan at all. It's clearly disappointing that the incoming chair of the Broadcasters Association did not have the judgment to, to be impartial. She wouldn't be impartial. In term, in other words, she would have an opinion on this, even if she stayed quiet, and you never would have known it. And it probably wouldn't have impacted what she did. We're going to go in a different direction, a very different direction, after 1 o'clock. I want to mention something, though, and this is way cool. And I can't be there because I am going to be at Lambeau Field Monday night. But WTMJ Radio is doing something incredibly cool. They're presenting, we are, that is, presenting the Hometown Call at Turner Hall. It's a viewing party Monday, October 15th. The free event will feature a massive movie screen broadcast at Turner Hall Ballroom of Game 3 of the NLCS. Of course, the Brewers and the Dodgers. This is, well, it's all cool. But this is the really cool part. Synced. The Hall of Famer, Bob euchre's play-by-play broadcast on WTMJ Radio and the Associated Bank Brewers Radio Network. Ha-ha. Oh, what a, just an absolutely awesome idea. WTMJ's Gene Miller, John Mercure, Steve Scafidi will MC the viewing party. Tavern at Turner Hall will offer a full menu in addition to tailgate food, brats, hot dogs, the revitalization of the iconic restaurant venue at Turner Hall is a collaboration with Caravan Hospitality Group. That's just for that's just fifty shades of cool. That's what that is, right there. It really is. I, I just i i i really wish I could be there. But I, but I can't. A couple of texts to wrap this up. And you can be there, so be there, okay? A couple of texts to wrap this up. So sad that the Republicans can only attack Randy Bryce on his mistakes rather than debate on policy, because they know they will lose that one. While you think character... I Look, I think character matters. With President Trump, I'm highly critical of him, on his character. The left is very critical... Of President Trump. So character, does it count or not? Does it only count when there's an R behind the name? Hmm? I'm speaking to a Randy Bryce supporter now. And then uh, the person followed up. Deadbeat was her word, not mine. What's that got to do with anything? You said so her and her daughter married deadbeats. Make better choices. You said they made bad choices by marrying deadbeat dads. Randy Bryce is a deadbeat dad. You can't squirm out of that one. It is 1259 News Radio WTMJ. 108. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Jerry Bader once again. In for Jeff Wagner today. And then it's the old switcheroo tomorrow. I'm actually uh, in for Steve Scafidi. He'll be in this time slot as uh, things head out to Miller Park for all things NLCS, as it should be. So 830 to noon tomorrow. And then Steve in, in this time slot, but not in this studio. Okay, so I'm going to use a text from a texter who will not give up. Uh, one one more of their text to transition to completely pivot to another topic. We are talking about the chairman chairperson elect of the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association. Nancy Douglas stepped down after it was learned it was she who's in an ad attacking Randy Bryce for being a deadbeat dad. The first congressional district Democratic candidate. Uh, this is their latest effort from this texter. Yes, Randy Bryce is a deadbeat dad. So are you saying that politicians can't be deadbeat dads? Check the White House. There are some major moral character flaws there. I'm going to use that to pivot to something. And before I do that, let me tell you that I have given this topic more consideration than maybe any topic I've ever done in all my years in talk radio. I have prayed on it. I asked a friend to pray about it. We'll get to it in just a minute, but to her, I don't know, to her, to the person's point, is this. Yeah, if voters elect him, he can be a member of Congress. President Trump put his character flaws on display. That's why I could not and did not vote for him. And why I continued to criticize him when just about every other conservative host in Wisconsin decided they couldn't do that anymore. And I paid consequences for that. So yeah, I question all character issues. I continue to question President Trump's judgment and character. Voters voted for him. Voters vote for Andy Bryce. He'll win. There's nothing wrong with putting it out there. The same way people criticize President Trump or any other politician. Just as his nine arrests are fair game. For those of us who still think character matters, here's where I will concede the point. Those who defend President Trump and attack Randy Bryce, that's another matter. And you have to take that up with them. I have not defended President Trump's behavior. When he needs, when I feel that his behavior is beneath the dignity of the Presidents of the United States, I say so. So some of us actually are consistent and have the credibility in questioning character, whatever the letter behind someone's name. Which now brings me to this. Steve's graffiti spent a lot of time on this topic yesterday. I did not take it up. I'm going to take it up from, I think, a perspective that has not been taken up pretty much anywhere else. Rich Lowry writing about this yesterday, uh, but at Politico, but everybody, this was a big story. We covered other things. Steve, as I said, spent a lot of time on this yesterday. It is doubtful that a former American presidential candidate has ever endorsed incivility before. But Hillary Clinton is ever full of surprises. In an interview on CNN, the erstwhile advocate, if they go low, we go high, switched around to unapologetically calling for going low, at least until Democrats retake some power in Washington. Here's the direct quote from Hillary Clinton. You cannot be civil with a political party, she explained, that wants to destroy what you stand for, what you care about. She added that if Democrats retake a House of Congress, well, that's when civility can start again. So in other words, elect us and we will be benevolent leaders. But in the meantime, we're going to go low. Then there is... The tag team effort on that, Eric Holder on Republicans from CNN. When they go low, we kick them. In the debate over whether Democrats should go low against President Trump and Republican lawmakers or rise above partisan attacks, count former Attorney General Eric Holder as an advocate of getting into the gutter. Holder, while campaigning in Georgia Sunday, told an audience... That he disagreed with former First Lady Michelle Obama's much touted, when they go low, we go high. It is time for us Democrats to be as tough as they are, to be as dedicated as they are, to be as committed as they are, Holder said. Now, let me first say this. It is mythical that either political party has at any time taken the high road, ever. So, what are they saying? Well, here's what I would say. They're going to stop hiding it. Let me give you an example. Before the Brett Kavanaugh controversy erupted with the allegations of Dr. Ford, they already made it very clear that they were going to attempt to destroy him. When all they had was his judicial record and what they knew of him as a conservative jurist, judicial conservative. That's it. That's what they had. And yet, when he was announced, one group put out a, uh, we will do everything we can to stop candidate, you know nominee, XXX. They didn't even take time to fill in his name. So they were ready to go low. Kamala Harris went low. Cory Booker went low. They did that, but it is more nuanced. Apparently what they're saying now, what Hillary Clinton is saying, and what Eric Holder is saying, is we are going to be as obvious about it. And make no mistake, I think President Trump goes low, that he lives in the gutter. That's what he does. They now choose, they say to choose to join in there again. No one in politics has ever had the high road. What they're talking about is they're not going to hide it. They're not going to be subtle about it. That's the only difference here. That they are going to be as openly aggressive as President Trump has been, and as he is pulling the Republican Party. Okay, what could possibly go wrong with that? You want to talk about the ultimate race to the bottom. And I will talk about the ultimate race to the bottom. And what it really looks like in a couple of minutes. 117 News Radio WTMJ. 119 News Radio WTMJ talking about, essentially, Hillary Clinton and Eric Holder saying, "Oh, we're going to go low the same way Republicans have. It's, It's no longer the high road. One, they haven't been taking the high road. Nobody does. Just got a text. Low like blocking Merrick Garland for 400 days, but then confirming an alleged sexual predator. Gotcha. Really? You got me? I think... It's unconscionable the way Merrick Garland was treated by Republicans. Presidents should be able to pick their Supreme Court nominees. Gotcha. Where I actually playing gotcha here. And this is exactly the type of mentality that I'm talking about. The only, the biggest problem Democrats have with Donald Trump is he isn't theirs. He's the other person's bully. And they want one which is why you are not going to see Joe Biden as the nominee. You will see Kamala Harris or Booker or Holder or somebody who can get into a dark alley, brass knuckles fight. Because that's where this is headed. And nothing good comes of this. And let me tell you what the problem with this is. It's all about power over people. People are a means to an end for both sides. That's just a reality. Dr. Ford and Justice Kavanaugh, they were were both weaponized. Now, clearly, Democrats began that, again, before the allegations came, but way before that. I am not saying that some people, that some people on both sides didn't actually care about the people. They did. But it is a fair generalization to say this is about either retaining power or regaining power and using, manipulating, and exploiting people in any way you can rather than caring about people. And not in the Democrats' care kind of way of caring about people, not in sloganeering, but actually putting people first in other words, even if you're a Republican, being concerned, gee, is this woman telling the truth? Did this happen? Or even if you're a Democrat, gee, is this guy and his family being dragged through something needlessly? Did we set this up so it was all ugly public when we didn't have to? Hmm. Here's the way I, I call this the Colonel Jessup effect. If you're not familiar, 1992 movie, A Few Good Men. Jack Nicholson is Colonel Jessup. A young man, Private Santiago, in a a horrible hazing episode gone wrong, a code red, is murdered. He's killed. It was an accident. They were just supposed to scare him. Colonel Jessup ordered the code red. And... On the stand, he is pushed into admitting that. But while he is up there, and while Tom Cruise's character is questioning him, he says something that I think is perfectly apropos to politics today. Kyle, go ahead.
1: You weep for Santiago and you curse
0: the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know, that Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives, and my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties, you want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. Here's what's changed. What he was saying is, you're ashamed of me, and you don't want to talk about me, but you need me. You know what's changed? Not ashamed anymore. There are very few conservatives, Republicans, who will any longer criticize President Trump or say they wouldn't vote for him. Some big names fell recently. Eric Erickson, Ben Shapiro, and some others. What's changed? He's getting things done at any cost. Doesn't matter. Character doesn't matter anymore. Now, Democrats have tried to be constrained, restrained, I should say, so as to look as though they're taking the high road. All they're saying now is they're not going to hide their Colonel Jessup either. They want a Colonel Jessup. They need a Colonel Jessup, just like in the movie. Because Republicans have one. Gets results. You just, in the movie, you didn't want to see it. Now, in today's society, we don't care. It can be on display. President Trump can insult our allies and cozy up to who we used to consider enemies and any number of other things. Doesn't matter. Kamala Harris doctored a video during the nomination, the confirmation hearings she wouldn't even be considered for the presidency five years ago. Now it's just a blip. It's not even a, a, a jaywalking citation. And again, you think I'm wrong. Joe Biden bounced out of the 87 presidential, well, 88, but during 87. For plagiarism. How quaint that seems now. What if we put people first? What if we aspire to politicians who aren't all about retaining power? And that's all that it is. And any means, the ends justify. And it is it is the ultimate race to the bottom. Here's all the Democrats are doing with this. Another movie, Romancing the Stone, Danny DeVito, great line. At least I'm an honest crook. I'm taking this. And he takes it and runs off. That's all that's happening here. And there's nothing good about it for anybody. A dear friend of mine says, People don't care that you know until you know that, they know that you care. Wouldn't it be great if both parties would stop using people as targets and weapons? But I don't see it happening anytime soon. Because we are where we are. 127 News Radio WTMJ. WTMJ Radio presents the hometown call at Turner Hall on Monday, October 15th. The free, you heard me right, free event will be, will feature a massive movie screen broadcast at Turner Hall Ballroom, game three of the NLCS between the Milwaukee Brewers and the LA Dodgers, synced to Hall of Famer Bob Bucher's play-by-play broadcast on WTMJ Radio and Associated Bank Brewers Radio Network. Uh, did I mention, completely free, doors open at 5.30. What a, that's just such an awesome idea. It really is. Uh, Let's see, the hemorrhaging continues on Wall Street, 3.30, negative. The Dow's off 330.55. Said we were going to spend more time on that. I, I, I covered it earlier there's just any number of reasons. Yes, rising interest rates are one of them. Ed Morrissey was on with us yesterday. Here's the reality: when the Dow's in the twenty-five thousand range, uh, I, I mean, this is uh, you know, it's taking a hit. There's no doubt about that. Uh, over uh, you know, gosh, uh, combined, I don't know what it is in the past few days. I, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. Is this finally the end of the bull market? I, oh, man, I I there was a day when I was young and foolish and I made those kind of predictions. That day is long gone. We're going to leave that there for now. We'll see we'll see where it's at as we approach the closing bell. I'm going to switch things up. In fact, the producer doesn't even know where we're going. Why? Because I found this, and I'm even scrapping the uh, story about whether Taylor Swift can get people—not scrapping, but pushing it back—whether Taylor Swift can actually get people to go and register to vote. Because I, this um, this story is just one I can't. This is fascinating. Now, I'm going to read something. It is written by a woman. It's allegedly a one-minute read, so I should be able to do this in a minute. You notice that? They put times on everything now on how long it's going to take you to read. One-minute read, three-minute read, five-minute read. How do they know how fast I read? What if I get distracted like I always do? They don't know. I get it. Anyway, I am going to make a request here. If you are a female listener, i.e. a woman, and you're not normally the type who would call a talk show, is or if you are, Kyle, women only on this one. And I think you'll see why. I'm not going to issue, render any opinion at all because I want to hear what married women. So I'm dealing with a narrow demographic here. Married women. I'm going to want your opinion on this in a couple of minutes. Allow me to read it if it really does take the one minute that it says. The name of the blog is Full Heart, Empty Arms by Ivy Blonwyn. My husband, his porn, and how I cope. Let me say this. Porn addiction has ended many a marriage. Here's what she says. My husband was raped repeatedly by a woman. That may be why he finds safety in the sexual solitude of pornography. For many women, their husband viewing pornography is tantamount to adultery, cyber adultery. We women automatically assume our husband is vicariously having sex with the babe on the screen. Pornography has been a factor in countless marriages ending in the divorce courts. When I first learned from Reese's own lips that he viewed pornography from time to time... I was devastated, so he told her. I'm not enough of a woman to turn him on, I concluded. The magic has gone out of our relationship. He prefers the skanky, breast-augmented, tattooed, skinny, bouncing sex workers on the screen to his real-life, warm wife. I could not have been more wrong, she writes. For Reese, porn is his happy place. It was his only pleasure growing up in a very abusive home. Sexual expression through porn was safe after being raped. It had nothing to do with me as a woman, as a wife, as a sexual partner. Nothing to do with my performance in bed. Nothing to do with my body. When Reese is unhappy, when things aren't going well, when life overwhelms him, he turns voyeur. It resets my brain, he told me. Viewing others doing the deed is extreme. It's shocking. It clears my mind of all stressors. I understand that. When life overwhelms me, I find myself binge-watching EastEnders or Sex in the City. It clears my mind. Relieves the stress. That's my porn, she writes. How many men use pornography for that reason, but are unable to articulate it to their wife or girlfriend? How many relationships have splintered? Because the women simply did not understand. How many marriages have faltered because we as women naturally take our man's pornography use personally? Do you want to have sex with the woman on your screen? I asked Reese. Hell no, he replied. She's, well, I won't write the word here, he said. It wasn't nice. My heart goes out to the woman, uh, to the women, sexually abuses children, all who gravitate to the sex industry. It harms them emotionally, spiritually, and physically, whether they choose to admit it or not. This explains why dissociation, drug use, and alcohol are rampant. No one can perform in pornography stone-cold sober. While I'm not thrilled that Reese enjoys watching other women's, uh, you get it, I cope by remembering the old adage, What the eyes don't see, the heart doesn't grieve. So I leave the room. Porn grosses me out. Watching others have sex isn't one of my turn-ons. Rather than make a scene, I retire to the bedroom, light a few candles, and seek forgetfulness in the pages of a good book. When his mind is cleared, when he feels mentally reset, Reese comes looking for me. I want to know what married women think of her response to her husband's porn use. It's It's a sensitive one. I don't want to express an opinion. And by the way, I'm not going to challenge you. This is what I said. If you wouldn't normally call a talk show, you won't be challenged. You won't be interrogated in any way, shape, or form. I just want to hear what you have to say. And I'd like to get at least a few calls on this at the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620. 142 News Radio WTMJ. A coach who helped develop Brewer's manager Craig Council as a young major leaguer has some interesting insight into the man who now leads the crew. Here is amazing story at 420 when he joins John Mercure on Wisconsin's afternoon news. A few moments ago, I shared a blog post from a woman whose husband admitted he watches porn. No, it's not what you think. I I was raped by a woman. It's my safe place. It clears my mind. I don't want to have, I don't fantasize about those women. I asked married women only, and that's something you usually do on a talk show, be that specific. What do you think of her accepting this? And when he watches, she just goes and reads a book. 414-799-1620 on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line to Patty in Delavan. Patty, you're on WTMJ.
4: Hi. I say that he has totally got her brainwashed into believing that that's the truth. I've walked that walk, and I do not believe what he is telling her. And unfortunately for her, I think she'll probably have a wake-up call somewhere along the line. Or maybe she'll just live it out like that. I I don't know.
0: Patty, did I hear you say that you have walked that walk?
4: I have walked that
0: walk. Okay, so let me ask you this. Do you think there can ever be anything healthy about viewing porn, given your personal experience?
4: Absolutely not. Absolutely. Absolutely not. It's so self-indulgent, self-satisfying. There's no discipline to the human being if they have to see something like that in order to get themselves right in the mind. They need to be right in the mind from something that happened in the past. They need to seek therapy and counseling to deal with that in an orderly manner,
0: or in a good manner, I should say. Patty, thanks a lot for the call. appreciate appreciate it. I, uh, I do want to say, oops, get my mic back up there. I do want to say that I, that I said, wouldn't interrogate you, and I won't, but Patty, I wanted to make sure I heard Patty correctly, and then given her personal experience, I wanted her to be able to share that. I understand it's a touchy subject, and especially if you have been, and if you have been impacted by this as a woman, I, I promise you, uh, you know, I, I, I will not. Uh, I'll just let you speak your mind. Again, I, Patty, I, I, I broke that rule because I, I wasn't sure what she said, and I wanted to be perfectly sure that I did, based on her personal experience, ask her opinion on that. 414-799-1620 on the accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As married, isn't if you're a woman who's dealt with this in a relationship, how about if we put it that way? I know it's a tough thing to talk about. Want to withhold. I did want to withhold my opinion until we got a few calls. But seeing how I'm looking at a blank phone screener screen here, I'll tell you what I think. I think it is unlikely... That Patty is wrong about this relationship. I can't know that. I do find it very difficult to believe that this, that, again, I'm I'm just saying my opinion. I'm not going to say this woman is being fooled. (sighs) Here's what I would say even if he's being honest with her, I don't know that that's healthy. She refers to it as any other outlet, but you know, watching reruns of Sex in the City and that sort of thing. I, I, I respectfully disagree with her on that. Now, I'm not going to lie. I have watched pornography. It's been a long, long, long time. Any man who says he's never watched porn, I, I just. I don't, I don't think I, I just find that hard to believe. That's just my opinion on that. I, one, as a person of faith, I can never defend this. But two, even if that were the, weren't the case, I, 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 I think it's unhealthy, even if he is doing it, for the reason he claims. She talks about how unhealthy the the porn industry is for those who take part. You know, those who participate. Well, by the way, she's right about that. I I don't know if he's conning her. Or if he actually does use this, but if he uses it, I, I don't think it's any healthier than using alcohol or any other crutch to deal with a problem. I, I just to suggest that there is a positive use for pornography is something I don't agree with. It would be fascinating to hear any women who agree with Ivy. And by the way, if you do, uh, there, there will be no challenge. There will be no confrontation here. But you need to get in soon. on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 152 News Radio WTMJ. Well, the Packers' biggest trend this season has been poor starts to the game. How much of this falls on the shoulders of Mike McCarthy? What about the faults of Aaron Rodgers? Greg Masick and Jeff Alconio debate tonight on Packers Playbook starting at 6.07. A lot of texts on this topic, so we'll try to squeeze some in, this topic. A woman basically making an excuse for her husband viewing porn. First, to Joyce in Elkhorn. Joyce, you're on WTMJ. Oh, you weren't set up. Kyle, sorry about that. My apologies. Uh, Joyce is not there. That's on me. A bunch of texts on this. Um, Nope. Heck no. No way. Don't buy his reasoning. Pornography, uh, Alana writes, is totally disrespectful to women. We should be standing up for ourselves and not making excuses for our sinful husbands. Uh, Next. Most men probably use porn as an escape, but understanding that doesn't mean you have to excuse or accept it. Escapism, in any form, isn't normal or healthy. I think that's a really good point there. And feeling sorry for the women while allowing your husband to use them only keeps them in that lifestyle. Uh, That's a really important point, I think. Uh, Next, porn is not good ever. The husband in the situation needs healing from his trauma, not to further victimize others, the actresses, And his wife, that was actually the part that stuck out to me, was where she acknowledged how exploitative the porn industry is. She didn't deny that. Yet, she is okay with her husband patronizing, subsidizing, supporting that industry that's just uh, that just doesn't add up anyway interesting texts and call on as uh, it's, it's I know it's a difficult one and every once in a while we we broach those because they are thought provoking I you know I'm not going to bash the woman I just I have to agree with the the caller that we had that I uh, I I don't know if you want to call it rationalization, or just flat-out denial. But I I truly, I mean, you talk to anyone in the ministry or anyone in professional counseling, porn addiction has been the killer of so many relationships and so many marriages. And however well-intentioned she may be, or her intentions may be, to justify or her own belief system. I don't know. Uh, The Dow is continuing to have an absolutely horrible day and a horrible week. It is off 549.53, and we are an hour from the closing bell. All right, coming up in the next hour, that hour between now when we find out exactly how bad uh, things are. So the uh n l c s full schedule is out if it were to go to seven games between the Brewers and the dodgers i am looking at this and I'm wondering if I will actually alter my social plans to be available to watch this by the way, if you haven't heard the top we'll share the times with you uh coming up after two o'clock gonna have a guest on the phone, capital Times political reporter Jesse O'poyan kind of get her pulse on uh, she covers the political beat for the Madison, one of the Madison papers get her thoughts, I should say on the pulse, she has her finger on the pulse we're not going to take her pulse of politics in Wisconsin 159 News Radio WTMJ 208 Hour 3 of the Jeff wagner show, Jerry Bader filling in. Uh, we're going to ask you later this hour, was going to 70 miles an hour on certain stretches of Wisconsin roads a good idea? One county says no. They want to go down to 55, at least on one highway through their county. soon as you think about that, uh, I'm trying not to do this too often, but I also understand you may want to know. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is now down 486.07, which is actually better than it was when Melissa started doing the news, or give or take. It was, uh, it was, boy, approaching 600. So we'll see where it gets as we near the closing bell near the end of the show. Joining us now to talk about, well, what's going on in politics, the election, someone who pays very close attention to that, Political reporter for the Cap Times in Madison, Jesse Apoyan. How are you doing, Jesse? Hi,
5: Terry. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh,
0: So, are you one of those people who regularly check your 401k online to see how it's doing? I hope you're not.
5: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, I would go crazy if I did. Well,
0: (laughs) here's the
2: beauty
0: you're young. You know, whatever happens here. Heck, I, I think I have shirts older than you. So, you're fine. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you can, you can you can rebound. All right, let's start at least a little bit by talking about the MU Law School poll, which we already have. I guess I would do it this way. Uh, by the way, Jesse does the Wedge Issues podcast, and you have talked to pretty much everyone on the ballot, I think. Can you tell us, uh, well, a couple of things? You know, Governor Walker, I know you've spoken with him, uh, and, and just your, your general sense of the candidates you've spoken with, the sense they seem to have where the race is, and... You, you know you, you dial in pretty close. the thoughts if there's a blue wave, a stall, blue wave, and so on.
5: Sure. Um, and yeah, in fact speaking of the podcast, Governor Walker will be my guest for this week so people can tune in and, and hear what he has to say. But uh, yeah, you know, I think the Marquette poll this week told us what both of the candidates and every strategist have been saying since this race started that it's going to be very close And a lot of early polls. Tony Evers with a pretty sizable lead, but I don't know that anyone ever expected that to, you know, continue to be the case. And so the latest poll, of course, showed Governor Walker up one point over Tony Evers, but certainly well within the margin of error. Um, I think, you know, from here on out, it's going to be neck and neck. And the thing that Governor Walker's been saying for months, if not at least a year, is Republican voters can't be complacent. They can't expect to win those like races, the Democrats at the same time are thinking, "Yeah, there's national blue wave." Certainly, the enthusiasm and momentum and circumstances fall in Democrats' favor. But Scott Walker's got a formidable campaign operation here in Wisconsin, so they can't take that national energy for granted either.
0: Talking with Jesse Apoyan of the Cap Times, uh, you know that here's the thing: we talked about this earlier with Republican strategist Mark Grawlin I don't know. If you've done any talking to anyone in the last 24 hours, you look at Tammy Baldwin with still a 10-point lead. It was 11 points last month, so really no change there. Then the big shift in the Walker race. I mean, Jesse, if that were to hold, I mean, if that's what the election looked like, where, and I'm not saying it is, but Tammy Baldwin wins by 10 and Scott Walker wins by one, that would be perhaps the most remarkable ticket-splitting that the Wisconsin has ever seen. Are you getting any feedback from people in the political game on that?
5: Yeah, a little bit. I've, I've talked to a couple strategists in the last 24 hours, too. And i got to say, I, I, from day one of this race, have been every chance I get to ask someone, do you think it's possible that Wisconsin elects Scott Walker and Tammy Baldwin? Because, you know, it isn't in theory a purple state in theory wisconsin could do something like that but everyone for you know for the most part is that oh gosh there's no way there's no way polarized polarized. wisconsin as that could happen but i think i'm hearing more and more from people who are working behind the scenes that yeah that actually probably could happen and it it might not be ticket splitting it might be drop off or it or it might be some ticket hmm. splitting i mean you've got the power of the incumbency for a Democrat and a Republican, and it's not often that that happens. I mean, you look back to obviously times have changed a lot, but Tommy Thompson and, and Herb Kohl cool were yeah. elected at the same time. <laughs> That's a very different environment, but it's, it's not unheard of.
0: You you make a really good point, and I would tack on that. Uh, 1994, you can Google this. I might be wrong, but I think it's 94. don't know if you know this, uh, Jesse. Tommy Thompson carried Dane County. He, he won, carried.
5: He won a 72 County. Yeah, I was just just reading up on
0: that. Yeah, I mean it's (laughs) you can't you you can't even imagine that, can you? A a, a Republican carrying. See, so that that's exactly to your point. Those those historical things really are 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 pretty tough to tell. So what's what's your take as uh, and we're wrapping up with Jesse appoint as we get into what's pretty close to the to the home stretch here. Uh, coming in on uh, just over uh, about three weeks. Uh, Would you expect, uh, as you look at the two races, uh, any surprises maybe? uh, You know, you and I talked about this off the air that uh, I I let you know there is a pitched battle in Republican circles as to whether President Trump should come and campaign for Scott Walker. He may do that uh, for Leah Vukmir. But do, do you see any change in strategy, either like that sort of thing, or television advertising, anything down the stretch that, that you may have picked up a sense on?
5: Well, I think we've started to see a slight shift in the last couple of weeks from the Walker campaign and, and the messaging that they're using. They're not talking about, um, you know, misconduct by teachers and the, 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 the sort of uncomfortable pornography ads aren't airing anymore. We're hearing a lot more about you know, Tony Evers and his tax policies. I think that's uh, perhaps contributing some to the shift in momentum there. You know, one thing's worth noting on the Senate side of things is that this poll was conducted before the two met in their first debate. I don't know if that would have moved the needle or not, but I think it's also worth noting that the next two debates that uh, will be held in the Senate race are going to be competing with the Brewers game on Saturday and the governor's debate uh, later in the month. So I'm not sure that either of the, the next two debates are going to do a whole lot to move things.
0: You know, and it's, and it's hard to tell what, what impact that that, in fact, would have had on that because you don't know how many people watch, But but clearly – uh, I, I mean, at least, uh, and some just may call me partisan, but those who know me know that I'll criticize anybody. I, I actually did think that it was a it was a strong performance. It was a good performance for Leah Vukmir, and, and not a necessarily strong one. But just one, actually, one other quick uh, on advertising, and I don't know if you know, noticed this, Jesse. I saw, I got the news release, actually, on Leah Vukmir's new ad on, on the Toma scandal. Mm-hmm. Something very something very interesting. They do not mention a death of a veteran. Ah. they Not at all. Now, I mention that because the Baldwin campaign is running two powerful ads with family members, loved ones of that veteran who did die, who are supporting Tammy Baldwin. You have to wonder if that wasn't a factor.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think that's an excellent point. I know you and I have talked about sort of what is the effect if you see an ad from Leah Buchner criticizing Tammy Baldwin and including the the mention of that death. And then you see immediately or or close after that, those ads from the Baldwin campaign. You know, if you've got the the family member on air rebuking something that the other candidates doing, you are in a a weaker position. So that's it's interesting that they've they've taken that out.
0: All right, Jesse, if they want to find the Wedge Issues podcast, what's the best way to do that?
5: Uh, you can find it on any podcasting platform by searching Wedge Issues, or we also have links to it at captimes.com.
0: Jesse point of the Cap Times, thanks a lot for joining us.
5: Thank you for having me, Jerry.
0: All right, you bet. Uh, all right, straight ahead, I do want to get into the 70-mile-an-hour speed limit. Do you think it's been a success? Do you think the roads are more dangerous? One county wants to drop it down to 55 on I-41. We'll see what you think coming up. 217 News Radio, WTMJ. 219 News Radio, WTMJ. Jerry in for Jeff. All right. I am one who is a fan of the decision a few years back to increase the speed limit on certain highways in Wisconsin to 70 miles an hour. I I have a lead foot. I go faster than seventy. I go faster than seventy five, depending on the circumstances. I that's which is pretty often. I will tell you that generally my experience is, unless you you know you run into a crunch time during drive time, on I-41, I forty one I for more I forty one than I forty three, I find most traffic, not all, in the driving lane seventy three ish seventy 70- four. Anywhere from 75 to 80, depending on the circumstances. And then you've got these missiles that come flying by. I am perfectly fine with the 70 mile an hour limit. It has, I travel from Green Bay to Appleton at least once a week. And Green Bay to Madison at least once a month. Now right now I still do, for those of you who are familiar with that, I still take I forty one to Oshkosh twenty six across. One of these days, I just got to go all the way down to one fifty one. With the speed limits that you have now, it's sixty five on one fifty one all the way from Fond du Lac, you know, on till it gets to seventy miles an hour near Madison. So I, I don't, you know, I'm fine with it. Some people aren't. Outagamie County, and if you're not aware, Outagamie County, Appleton is the county seat. Outagamie County, Fox Valley is essentially Brown County, Outagamie, Winnebago, and then Fond du Lac counties. That's basically what we think of from the mouth of Green Bay to the tip of Lake Winnebago. I forty one, of course, comes goes across all of those counties. Out County officials are pushing for a reduced speed limit on I-41 between Appleton and De Pere, of course, near Green Bay. Uh, and they reached out to Brown County officials for support on Monday. They basically want to ask the DOT, on that stretch, until you add lanes, we don't think there are enough lanes to support 70 miles an hour, we want it to go all the way down to 55. Brown County has not jumped on board with that. They apparently thought Brown County was going to be down with that. Now, we'll we'll ask the state to change that. Now, that's a specific area with a specific issue. I remember the gloom and doom, and, and there probably is research that shows accidents have risen. On balance, and I don't have recent numbers in front of me in terms of fatal accidents before and after when it went to 70 miles an hour. From 65 to 70. My take is. I mean it chops. Substantial time off drive to Madison. I'm, I'm only guessing here. I, to, to where I end up in Madison. Somewhere about 10 minutes. A drive from Green Bay to Appleton. That used to take me. Upwards of a half an hour. Door to door. Takes me about 22 minutes. And yeah I. Uh, like I said, I, I do tend to stay with the flow of traffic, the faster-flowing traffic. I want to see if anyone has any thoughts on this. Do you think it's been a success? Do you think 70 miles an hour has accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish? Should we keep it? Or are there stretches like the one that I mentioned where it's it's just too dangerous? Give us a call at the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. 224 News Radio WTMJ. The crew is hunting for its first World Series title, and the latest Brewers interviews are right at your fingertips. Text the word "pitch" to four one four seven nine nine one six twenty to hear our first pitch podcast, and don't forget to subscribe for the latest Brewer interviews on your mobile device. gamey County wants a stretch of I forty one from basically De Pere to Appleton reduced to fifty five miles an hour. They say not enough lanes. Can talk on that or just in general the 70-mile-an-hour the limit. Dan in Appleton drives that stretch every, oh, uh, no, we are starting, I'm sorry, 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 Tom in Watertown. Uh, no, it is Dan, Dan in Appleton. Boy, Hi. What, okay. I, I,
3: I think go it's ahead. just to raise more ticket revenue. It, you know, you go through Rosendale, you, you've got to watch. 71, they'll pull you over, and it, it's just, it's a
4: revenue-generating thing.
0: Okay, so you would expect the Otayemi County Sheriff's Department to be camping out there if they do that, then.
4: Yeah, yeah,
3: they do in Rosendale. They sit at the overpass. They always do. They got a one-mile stretch, and they write tickets. You know, during the Packer games, every time I'm heading up north, you just know you set the cruise at fifty-four or 70, 69 and you just go through it. They will pull you over.
0: All right, thanks a lot for the call. Uh, that is uh, probably going to be a recurring theme on this. Uh, let's see. To David in Sheboygan. David, go ahead.
6: Yeah, hi. Um, I live in Appleton. I drive that stretch every day. And um, I know they do have a lot of accidents. They since the beginning of the year, they've had over 500 accidents on that stretch of highway. Um and the thing is nobody does seventy miles an hour on there. They're doing seventy five plus. Yeah. And um to do fifty five, I can see I don't know I don't think of the revenue you know, that they're gonna well I imagine when they if they do lower it, they will probably put the you know, state and um what's the town of Grand Chute also controls patrols that yeah. area. And they're they'll I'm sure they'll monitor that first and start pulling people over for doing you know 56 57 on, on, on there but it's just you know it's gonna be uh, it's gonna really cut into people's commute and that is a major thoroughfare through Green Bay and Appleton you know down to Milwaukee and it's just you it, know, it's gonna be what 10 15 years before they are gonna put three lanes yeah. Wow. you know, you know and yeah well that's you know. that
0: yeah, that's exactly right even if the project were approved tomorrow thanks a lot for the call to add yeah. lanes it's it's going to be a, a long, long time. I don't know that it's a revenue enhancer either. I think that's a dramatic drop and now how many people there will be a lot of speeders because that's just a dramatic shift and it's you know, it's this hole in the seventy mile an hour because you've got it from Abrams in you know far northern Wisconsin to Green Bay, then it de appear it would drop down. I think specific to that chunk of road, it's a bad idea, but I just i i look, I drive it, I drive it a lot um it's it has actually reached metro area type morning rush, but i I'm perfectly fine with the seventy miles an hour. WtmJ Radio presents the hometown call at Turner Hall Monday, October fifteenth. The free, yes, free event will feature a massive movie screen broadcast at Turner Hall Ballroom. Game three of the NLCS between the Brewers and the Dodgers synced to Hall of Famer Bob Uecker's play-by-play broadcast on WTMJ Radio and the Associated Bank Brewers Radio Network. Did I mention, and I believe I did, the event is completely free. Doors open at 530. Uh, Let's see, a couple of Bits of housekeeping here, the Dow down 310.83. Uh, that's actually, well, until a few moments ago, it had been on a climb in the last half hour. It actually had been off somewhere near 600. So that's progress toward the closing valve, but now it has dipped again a bit. So we'll see in less than a half an hour exactly uh, what is going on there couple of uh, texts that we got to finish up the topic on the 70-mile-an-hour speed limit, specifically uh, in the Fox Valley area. I I just, in general, though, think that the 70-mile-an-hour limit has worked on the roadways where where it was increased in Wisconsin. But uh, Outagamie County wants to drop it, wants the state to drop it on I-41 in that stretch, uh, roughly between Appleton and Green Bay. From 70 to 55. couple of texts on this. If you drop the speed limit by 20%, you will increase congestion by a similar percentage. I think we know what that will do to the accident rate. Well, but see, the debate is, though, that the higher speeds are more dangerous. More damage is inflicted at the higher speeds. Another text. Why weren't they asking for a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit? When the speed limit was still 65 miles an hour, which, by the way, I did, I noticed that as well. And I, I, that doesn't make any sense. And you wonder why they didn't just say 65. One, they probably would have had a better chance of having it happen. Brown County, which would have to go along with this because a chunk of Brown County and De Pere would be part of it. They're like, yeah, no. We actually, We don't want that. We like it the way that it is. I can't say I travel extensively, but I do travel enough to where, for me, with someone with a slightly heavier foot, I am perfectly fine with the 70-mile-an-hour limit. All right, a few moments ago, I reminded you of the uh, big event going on, the hometown call at Turner Hall on Monday, 5.30, for Game 3. The Major League Baseball, that is Major League Baseball has released, uh, they did yesterday, I believe, the NLCS, the full schedule were it to go to seven games. Now obviously Friday nights, tomorrow nights is 710. Game two, 3:10 p.m, Saturday. And then I think the Badgers play that evening. I could be wrong, but I am pretty sure I'm right about that. that they play in the evening. Uh, and I think it's on ABC, but I'm guessulating on both of those. Uh, so that would be a, a pretty good double feature. Game two, three ten p.m. Saturday. Game three, six forty p.m. Monday. Oy, boy, boy, you know, it's just I'm going to miss two of the three of, of the first three games. My wife would have a concert tomorrow night. And then I am going to the Packers game at Lambeau Field on Monday. Uh, That'll be easy enough at at the Packers game, I'm sure I would think. They'll either have Bill Jarts announce the score or they'll they'll have it, I I certainly would think. Game four will be 8, 10 p.m. Tuesday. Uh, The Badgers do play at 6.30. Thank you, Mr. Texter or Mrs. Texter. I shouldn't make those assumptions. Badgers do play at 6.30. That's that's what I thought. So I, I thought it timed out pretty nicely. If you go with just about a three-hour game on Saturday. Anywho, baseball game, that is. So Game 5, uh, if necessary, and we are now into the if necessary zone. So Game 4, eight ten p.m. Tuesday. Game 5, 4.05 p.m. Wednesday, if there is a Game 5. Now, there may not be a Game 5. If one of the two teams sweep. I would be shocked. We talked with Jeff Levering here on the show yesterday, play by play voice of the Brewers, and he said he would be shocked if it doesn't go at least six games. I absolutely agree with that. Boy, if either of these teams swept the other, I just that is something I would not see coming. So game five, if necessary, and I'm and I am confident that will be, that's four or five PM Wednesday. Game six if necessary. Seven forty PM Friday, october nineteenth. Game seven if necessary will start at seven ten PM Saturday, october twentieth. Very conflicted. Obviously, I would like to see the brewers sweeping fork. I mean, uh, you know, well, just sweep. I don't have to say four. Sweep. I would like to see the Brewers sweep. But I do have to also admit this. I think there, it's, just, it's unique in sports, the feeling, I should say, of seven games and of a game seven. It's not unique. Multiple sports have it. But the feeling is unique. For all of the things football has that other sports do not have, football the importance of each game because there are far fewer games in football than pretty much all the other well, all the other major league sports hockey baseball and basketball you you consider baseball 162 games to 16 nfl games it's ver- it's 10 to 1 an nfl game is 10 times more important in terms of whether the team makes the playoffs it's just it's it's really You don't think of it that way. But that's the reality. So that's one of, I think, the powerful draws of football. The emotional investment in each game, because it's so important. The flip side, football will never, ever have a Game 7. And there is just no feel like a Game 7. So here's what I'm hoping, that the Brewers dispatch with the Dodgers in four. I'm going to be honest. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. If that doesn't happen. Boy, I would really. I'm going to be honest. Then let's go seven. No, no. Five, six. I just. There is something so special. I mean, remember the Cubs. A couple years ago. It's just magic. I mean, when you have a thrilling game seven. Not a basketball fan, but I i am really not. But I understand Game 7 in any sport. I think it's just exciting stuff, but we'll see what happens. 242 News Radio WTMJ. A coach who helped develop Brewers manager Craig Council as a young major leaguer has some interesting insight into the man who now leads the crew. Hear his amazing story at 4.20 when he joins John Mercure on Wisconsin's afternoon news. I still have to get to the Taylor Swift story. It's a political story, sort of, kind of. We'll do that before 3 o'clock. But I've, I almost forgot to do this. Now, I live in northeast Wisconsin, but I know this is true for everyone in Wisconsin. The tremendous amount of rain, and in fact, the Madison-Milwaukee corridor, the, the horrific flooding that you got, we didn't. Northeast Wisconsin was spared that. It's about the only one that we didn't get. And the east side of Green Bay has suffered severe flooding on its own. It's just been an amazing year. I think I mentioned this on the air previously. My wife and I went to Europe August 9th through the 18th. While we were gone, it apparently did not rain a drop. We get back and the lawn is brown and we're asking people, no. It just it didn't rain at all while you were gone. Not at all. Hmm. We get back and it did virtually didn't stop raining, as you know, if you've lived in Wisconsin during that stretch. So I did this for Green Bay, but I mean, I'm guessing wherever you live, I just didn't have time to go a lot to a lot of different communities. So this is Green Bay, but I, I, I think this is probably going to be similar wherever you live in Wisconsin. So in Green Bay, the average rainfall For these four months, August, September, October, November, 3.39 in August, 3.03 in September, 2.44 in October, 2.13 in November. So if you take those four months, uh, I came up with, I think, just over 11 inches. But if you do the math yourself, I might be off a little bit on that. Uh, 3.4 and 3 is 6.4, 8.8. 10.8, yeah, just a little over 11 inches. That actually does work out. That is the average precipitation in northeast Wisconsin, August, September, October, November. Green Bay, since September 1st, so basically less than a month and a half, 9.22 inches of rain. And I know other parts of the state got a lot more than that. Now, the human memory being what it is, oftentimes when these things happen, I and others say things, boy, I don't ever remember anything like this, which just means you don't remember it, perhaps. Maybe it never did happen, but maybe it did, and you you just don't remember it. That's a very possible scenario. But, boy, I don't know if I do recall a stretch like this. And you know what I've been gauging this by is my lawn. I mean, I thought our lawn was done. For this season, it was toasty brown. It, it didn't look like it had the bounce back ability. Well, then it just started raining and raining and raining and raining. And by the way, we, too, got the mutant mosquitoes up there, the floodwater mosquitoes, which I had never heard of until this. And I mean, I've lived through floodwater mosquitoes. I didn't in Sheboygan in 1998. I didn't realize they were a species under their own. And you're seeing these uh, as the result of her Florence of the Carolinas, these huge mosquitoes. Actually, the ones we're seeing up north are smaller. So I don't, I don't know how all of that pans out. So I shared this with an employee of mine at mediatrackers.org. And she said, well, maybe this means we'll have a dry winter. Well, I do like optimistic thinking. I will grant you that. We certainly have one coming. But I'm not going to bank on it. So no, it's not your imagination, man. This just has been crazy, crazy, crazy. And I'm trying to figure out one. I need to get one more mow in before I start dealing with the leaves in my yard because it's just, it's starting to slightly resemble a hayfield, even with the growing season coming to an end. I'm going to have to try to do something about that. All right. Some final thoughts. Yes, Taylor Swift. Uh, in the time we have left. 251 News Radio WTMJ.